there, and welcome to In My Words, Jumo's podcast series that brings the experiences of real patients directly to you. At Jumo, we provide resources for children and families to understand, manage, and own their health. Sign up for free at jumohealth.com. So in my words, having MS means that my life is going to be a little bit different to the life that I imagined for myself. It doesn't mean it's going to be a bad one. I actually think I have a pretty amazing life and I've made it that way. Hi everyone, I'm your host Rebecca and thanks for joining us again. We've covered a lot of important topics recently, including spinal cord injuries and mental health. Now we're back in Australia with our local colleague Kirsty who will guide us through our next five episodes, focusing on multiple sclerosis. Hi, Kirsty. Hi, Rebecca. Kirsty, for our listeners who haven't heard of multiple sclerosis, could you tell us what it is? Multiple sclerosis, which many people call MS, is an illness that affects your central nervous system, your brain, spinal cord, and optic nerve. In multiple sclerosis, damaged areas called lesions interfere with the way messages from the brain travel through the central nervous system. This can affect your sensations of the world around you and how your body works. We'll be learning more about this in today's episode. You have a lot to cover today, Kirsty, so I'll let you take it from here. Thanks, Becca. MS is a complicated illness that many patients and families can find hard to fully understand. We're fortunate to have here with us for the next five episodes, Adriana, an MS advocate who will be speaking about her experiences with relapsing remitting MS. We will also have the pleasure of speaking with Belinda Bardsley, an MS nurse and the current president of the MS Nurses of Australasia Network, and Dr. Mike Boggold, a consultant neurologist in Townsville in North Queensland. They're both involved in caring for patients with MS and will be talking to us about the condition from the clinical perspective. Could each of you tell us a bit about yourself? My name is Adriana Candelo. I am 33 years old. Um, I live with my husband and my two beautiful twins, Leo and Olivia, in Avondale Heights in Victoria. I am a full-time stay-at-home mother, um, but I also have a home-based business where I do bookkeeping and accounting. Also, I'm an ambassador for Kiss Goodbye to MS, so I quite a bit of involvement with fundraisers and things like that. That's some things that I do like to do in my spare time. I enjoy going to the movies, having a wine and coffee with friends and exercising. I just learned to love that now, but (laughs) I do enjoy it. Um, And spending time with my kids is probably the best thing that that I do. Yeah. Um, My name's Belinda Bardsley. I'm the current president of the MS Nurses of Australasia Network. Um, which is there very much to support uh, MS nurses in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, I've worked in the field of MS nursing for the last more than 10 years now um, and have a background uh, in working in clinical research in the field of neurology and also in clinical nursing. And so my current role encompasses both clinical trials uh, in the field of MS and in the management of, of patients who are receiving standard care of, uh, in, in the field of multiple sclerosis. I'm Mike Bogild. I'm a consultant neurologist in Townsville in North Queensland. I've been here for around six years, have an interest in multiple sclerosis and its management, and prior to being Australia, ran a large MS service in Liverpool for about 15 years back in the UK. 
Thank you all for being here. In today's episode, Adriana will share with us the story of her diagnosis. Belinda and Dr. Boggold will help us understand MS and what a person might expect after a diagnosis. To start, Adriana, could you tell our listeners about your diagnosis? So I was diagnosed with MS when I was 26 years old, so that's just over six years ago now. At the time, I was just at the gym having a workout and I thought that I'd pinched a nerve in my neck, um, so I didn't think anything too serious. And from there, it just got worse. Well, I saw a physio first. It's because... I honestly thought that I had pinched a nerve. It was it was quite intense. And now looking back on it, I realise I know what a pinched nerve feels like and this was so different. And it's still as clear as daylight, that feeling that I have. I'll never forget that feeling. So it didn't matter how I moved my neck, if I was going to stand up or sit down, any muscle in my neck area moved and I would get this awful electric shock in my feet, in both my feet. So like it was it was so extreme. So I went to the physio straight away because I, I had I actually had a party to go to on the weekend. So I was like, I can't have this on the weekend. <laughs> like I think it was a hen's night and I was in the bridal party and I'm like, no, it's going to be a big weekend. Um, we need to get this fixed. And I went and just the look on his face, like he knew it was so much more than what I thought it was. Yeah, you kind of just get blinded by it, what you want to see. And then... Yeah, when he said, yeah, we'll get your results sent to your doctor, I mean, that's a that, that sounds pretty bad. <laughs> I just still ignored the fact that it was something major because I was like, no, nah, I have this hen's night on the weekend. So it took a few days before I got the MRI, though. So I ended up going out on the weekend, and I was so unwell. Like, that's when I started to lose feeling in three-quarters of my body. And then it was on the Monday where my doctors called me and told me to come in, and it wasn't a pinched nerve. It was they were pointing towards the fact that it was most likely MS. So from there, I was rushed to see a neurologist. Um, and in those few days, I had lost feeling in my hands and feet as well. And I was getting a, every time I moved my neck, I was getting electric shocks in my feet. So it kind of progressed in three to five days, went from just the electric shocks, then the numbness and tingling, and then spread to my hands and feet. Um, once I saw the neurologist, uh, I had a few more tests. Uh, they admitted me to hospital um, where I had further tests, I had more MRIs and then I also had a lumbar puncture and within a few days of that I was confirmed with my diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. So it was quite a scary time being 26 and not really knowing anything about MS. Thanks Adriana. As Adriana said, being diagnosed with an illness and not knowing anything about it can be extremely scary. Education is key to understanding one's diagnosis. Dr. Boggold, could you explain to our listeners what MS is and how it is diagnosed? Multiple sclerosis is a condition of the central nervous system where there are recurrent episodes of inflammation uh, causing a variety of neurological symptoms. The closest equivalent is probably rheumatoid arthritis, where it's recurrent inflammation in the joints. In the case of MS, it's recurrent inflammation in the brain and spine what is called an autoimmune disease, where it's the body's own immune system that's actually damaging the nervous system. Multiple sclerosis is a highly variable condition, and no two patients' experience of the disease is the same. There are clearly symptoms that are common to many patients. So fatigue, for example, is a symptom that many patients will experience before diagnosis, but obviously it's a relatively non-specific symptom. Similarly, dizziness or balance problems, 
visual disturbance, sensory symptoms, but it's really the pattern of those symptoms over time that leads one to suspect MS as a potential diagnosis, and it does overlap with a number of other conditions, which makes it important to get the diagnosis right. MS diagnosis has changed out of recognition in the 25 years I've been involved, though in a sense it remains a clinical diagnosis. It's a diagnosis made by someone who's experienced in recognising the typical symptoms and the pattern of those symptoms, and then interpreting the test results that help us to confirm such a diagnosis. So it can be as simple as some very typical symptoms, and one can be immediately confident of what the diagnosis is without investigating anyone at all. However, in this day and age, we're clearly much more reliant on things like MRI scans and we still use lumbar punctures and one or two other physiological tests to make a diagnosis but it's a combination of those things in an individual patient to give you the certainty that this is the diagnosis. How long does it typically take to make a diagnosis of MS? One can sometimes make a diagnosis of MS as soon as someone walks through the door. On other occasions it can take an awful long time before the diagnosis is confirmed. It's highly variable. Having said that, Many years ago, the typical time from onset to diagnosis might have been five or six years. More recent studies would suggest this is now a matter of weeks to months, more often than not. And that's partly because of changes in our criteria for making the diagnosis and partly because of uh, much more widespread access to things like MRI scans. And it's become imperative that we do make the diagnosis early because of advances in treatment. And we know that Adriana has what is called relapsing remitting MS. What is this? And are there other types of MS as well? So the majority of patients uh, who develop MS will present with what is called relapsing remitting multiple sclerosis. And this reflects the recurrent episodes of inflammation in the nervous system. So episodes of neurological symptoms which come and go, usually evolving over a few weeks and then resolving, maybe a period of remission with no symptoms and then a recurrence months or sometimes years later. So a coming or going disease course, relapsing, remitting. If you follow those patients, particularly in the absence of treatment, many of them will eventually develop more gradually progressive neurological disability, a more degenerative phase to the disease. And that's termed secondary progressive MS. So a previous relapsing course and then developing progressive disease, so secondary progressive. And then there's a much smaller cohort of patients, perhaps 10 to 15% of the patients we see, who present a little later usually and have gradually progressive neurological symptoms from onset. And this is termed primary progressive MS, but they're a minority. Thank you, Dr. Bogod. As Adriana shared with us earlier, a new and problematic symptom can lead someone to seek medical help. However, often at the time of diagnosis, it's discovered that a patient may have had other symptoms of MS in the years leading up to their diagnosis. They just didn't realise. When we often see a patient at first diagnosis, you know, we so commonly see on the MRI, we might see the, um, the lesion that is responsible for bringing them in, but we frequently see other, other lesions on the MRI, so other patches of inflammation that suggest that in the past they've had other things going on and then when we speak to them about oh have you ever had any other you know bits and pieces in the past and they'll say oh well I did have this one time where I had yeah I had sort of pins and needles in my you know foot or my foot went numb for about a week but I didn't think anything of it you know that sort of thing is quite commonly um, something that we that we hear about. Um, I think mood issues are, are really significant too and there's the kind of mood issues that you absolutely recognise that are associated with the diagnosis of MS. 
and, and very understandable that people find that they're anxious or depressed because they have that diagnosis. But I think there also is possibly a component of um, low mood that may well be associated with the fact that there is an inflammatory process going on, you know, in the brain due to um, MS activity uh, and potentially sometimes due to the, the location of the lesions in the brain, so the inflammatory um, lesions um, caused by the MS. So I think we shouldn't exclude that possibility that, that sometimes the location of the damage can be contributing to um, an element of depression. Thinking back to earlier on in my life, I was probably about 21, I had numbness and tingling down my leg and in my left foot, um, which I did see a neurologist back then, but being 21, I was more concerned about going out, partying and not my health. I just assumed it was pinched nerves, but I must have misheard the doctors but because they told me I didn't have MS, but that didn't mean I didn't have it. It was just one symptom. I kind of just put that to the back of my mind so I most likely would that would have been my very first symptom of MS and to this day I still have a numb foot but I got used to it over those years that I just kind of blocked it from my mind so that was me being young and naive I guess and not wanting to think that I was unwell but I got to have five more years of symptom free I guess I did have other issues that probably are most likely linked to my MS as well. So I did have a lot of anxiety and depression over those years. When I was diagnosed, it kind of made sense. And it was a weight lifted to know that there was something wrong with me because I didn't feel so well for so long. When first diagnosed with MS, it can be a relief to finally learn what has been causing you to feel unwell. But even so, a diagnosis like MS will likely come as a massive shock. No, I never ever thought that I'd be diagnosed with MS. I just, I don't think anyone sits there and thinks that there's something wrong with them like that. When they told me, it was kind of like, obviously it was a shock, but I just, it's like I wasn't listening. It was like, yeah, you've got MS, but I was like, okay, yeah, cool, I've got MS. But it wasn't, it didn't sink in. The same day that they gave me my diagnosis, I actually received my final results for my CPA, which I'd been studying for for the last three years of my career. And I just got a text message 10 minutes before I went into the doctor's office saying that I had finally passed. So I had that good news, which kind of leveled out the bad news. Um, so it was kind of a bittersweet moment, but that was a kind of a good thing to tell my family at the time to break the news it was like hey I've got some really bad news but hey I've also got really good news I've got MS but I've passed my CPA no one really cared about the CPA part but you know that was kind of a buffer at the time yeah it was a really really big shock and it did not sink in for quite some time wow what a mixture of emotions that must have been was there anyone with you when you were diagnosed so Mark was with me when I was diagnosed. He didn't really understand what was going on either, so we were both pretty stunned. Telling my family, that was difficult, but I used that CPA result to, to be a buffer for the MS diagnosis. So I, I just called them, because they live in Shepparton, so it wasn't a like I couldn't get to them quickly, and they knew that I was unwell, and I rang my mum, and I told her and she was crying before I even told her. She just 
she thinks she's got this sixth sense. <laughs> she knows, oh, I had a dream last night. I so she knows everything, my mum. She just, she thinks she's got this superpower. So I was like, I led with the fact, yeah, I've got MS. I was just diagnosed with MS. But um, hey, guys, I've got my CPA and, you know, I'm officially CPA. And they were so proud of me, but this was m something more important that we needed to focus on. And yeah, they took it pretty hard. How long had you and your husband been together when you were diagnosed? So Mark, Mahabi, we have been together for 13 years this year. So we had been together for a while before I was diagnosed with MS. It was really hard on him. Not that you would have seen that it was hard on him, but I know it would have impacted him a lot. He's been my rock. So getting diagnosed, we both didn't understand what was happening. He'd really never heard of it. He didn't know anyone with it. And like I said, at the time we kind of just, for me, I was like, yeah, I have MS, but forget about it at that time. So that's what we did. And he was the same. <laughs> when you were first diagnosed, Adriana, what was your biggest concern? In the beginning, my probably my biggest concern and fear was what would my future hold? And being 26, I never really thought too much about my future with kids and things. I just knew that that's what I eventually wanted to do one day was be a mum. So at the time, I was just worried that we wouldn't be able to have kids because I had MS. I didn't know much about MS. I really only knew from 25 years ago from doing the MS readathon. And back then we watched those videos of women touching the flame and not feeling anything. And they had, they were in wheelchairs. So that's all I knew about MS at the time. So I just assumed that that's what my life would be like. Um, I'd be confined to a wheelchair. That's what was stuck in my mind. So this was a really scary time for you. What other thoughts and emotions were you experiencing at this time? In the beginning, I, I thought I ex had accepted my diagnosis. Within a few weeks, my symptoms did not go away. It became more real. I became really withdrawn, depressed. I went back to work very quickly thinking it was fine but because of my hands the numbness and tingling in my hands I couldn't actually feel things like I didn't know how to use my hands anymore and so just trying to write in a client meeting I just lost it and from that day it kind of went really bad from there I quit my job I ended up moving back to Shepparton with my family because I needed help I needed to be taken care of and my partner, my husband, was amazing, but he was like, the best thing for you is if you're around your mum. And yeah, it was really, really hard to be around at that time because I was so angry. I was so angry. I was bitter. I wasn't depressed then. I was just so angry because I was like, what do you mean I have MS? Like, how? Who gets this? Why me? Like, this is so unfair. So that's, that was my reaction probably a month later when it sunk in. As we heard from Adriana, when first diagnosed with MS, a person can feel confused, scared, worried and angry. All these feelings are normal and can be part of the process of accepting one's diagnosis. Learning about what the disease is and what it means for your life can help one come to terms with it. Adriana, you mentioned not really knowing much about MS when you were first diagnosed. How did you go about finding information? In the beginning, which I regret doing it, I went on Google. Oh no. I googled everything about MS, which my doctor said 
whatever you do, don't go on Google. He's like, write down your questions, come talk to me at any time. If you've got any concerns, speak to me. I wish that's what I did because I self-diagnosed myself after that moving forward for a few, a few weeks. MS is a really difficult thing to understand. There's so many aspects of it. There's so many symptoms, just so many things about MS that you really do need to speak to your doctor about those things because Google and things like that, they're not tailored for where you're at with the disease. So me Googling, I had every symptom. I was going to get every symptom from the smallest case scenario to the worst case. That was going to be me. That's what I thought. And I went to bed every night going, well, tomorrow might be my last day of being able-bodied. So that was really scary, which did no good for me. I soon moved on from that and I contacted MS Connect. I got put in touch with them, which was a good starting point. It is a good starting point for anyone. It's better than Google. I don't, don't advise anyone to do that. They were really great. So they sent out information packs and things like that, which had a lot of information in it. Um, they've got their website. They have a lot of different services that I do use a fair few of those, but it was a place where the information was diluted in a way that suited every aspect of where you might be at with the disease. The doctors told me about the progression was basically anything could happen to you. It could be quickly, it could be slow, but it's most likely just going to be something that takes years and years. something may happen tomorrow but something may not happen ever or it may happen in 20 years time so for me he just said live life as normal don't hold yourself back and when something does arise we'll deal with it then and those words ring true in my ears daily and that's what I live by and that's something that I tell everyone to keep that in mind is that don't waste your life sitting at home waiting for something bad to happen because it most likely will not. It took me a while to realise that. He also told me just to monitor, manage and control my illness, which made no sense to me at the time, but now that's something that is exactly how I live my life by. Adriana will share more about how she monitors and manages her MS in our third episode. Dr Boggled, what could you tell us about how MS progresses over time? One of the challenges that MS presents is that it is such a highly variable disease and at onset it's very difficult to predict for an individual patient how their disease will behave. If there were such a thing as a typical patient, they will present with episodes of neurological symptoms which will come and go, usually over weeks to months, and may leave minimal or minor residual symptoms or some patients do recover fully. As time goes on and further relapses occur, patients will often acquire residual neurological symptoms and if untreated often the disease will move into a more progressive phase over a 10 to 15 year timeline. However, can't be stated more clearly that MS is highly variable and predicting the cause for an individual patient and what symptoms they may experience is really impossible at the outset. When talking about prognosis in MS, we can talk about populations or we can talk about individuals. For the population of people who are diagnosed with relapsing remitting MS, particularly in the era before treatments were available, it's a disease that presents a high risk of going on to develop significant neurological disability, admittedly over time periods of 15 to 20 to 30 years. And for individual patients, very difficult to predict whether the disease will be mild, moderate or severe in nature. 
Having said that, the natural history of the disease is clearly changing. Changing probably because we're making the diagnosis earlier and almost certainly changing because of the impact of treatment over the last 15 to 20 years. And we're now starting to see in large studies of populations that the time to various milestones of disability is gradually changing and the disease course is becoming milder overall. Now, there may be more factors than just treatment in that, but treatment is almost certainly part of that. As we've heard, the course of MS is different for everyone, and so it's difficult to predict how MS will progress over time for any given person. Another element of uncertainty with MS is its exact cause. Could you tell us a bit about this? We don't know the complete explanation for what causes MS. We do, I think, have a fair number of pieces of the jigsaw of the puzzle that is MS. We understand that there are genetic components to it. There's an inherited risk when we inherit genes from our parents, we get a good or bad immunological hand, and some people are more prone to developing autoimmune conditions like MS because of their genes, but it's a complex disorder, not a simple disorder in that respect. And then there are environmental factors that clearly are important in terms of triggering the disease later in life. That includes things as simple as smoking, uh, where one is born in the world. So risk factors, for example, sunlight exposure and vitamin D levels are probably important. And almost certainly viral infections in younger life, possibly Epstein-Barr virus in particular, the virus that causes glandular fever, are important. But putting all those elements together and understanding quite why an individual patient gets the disease is we're not quite there yet. As with almost all diseases, MS clearly has a genetic component, and this has been studied quite carefully. There are probably more than 100 different genes that influence the risk of getting multiple sclerosis. One particular gene in the immune system is quite prominent in this respect, and then there are many other genes of weaker effect. For an individual patient, probably the most important takeaway message is that the risk of recurrence within families is relatively low. So, for example, if one individual within a family has the disease, the risk to their brothers and sisters, mothers, fathers, is really in the region of about 2 to 4%, so a relatively low risk. Thank you, Dr. Boggold. Adriana, you have gone through the diagnosis of MS and have overcome your fears of the unknown. What advice do you have for a person newly diagnosed with MS? So for a newly diagnosed MS patient, firstly, have a really good relationship with your doctors and your medical team because they're the people that are going to help you make some pretty important decisions and things like that. Get rid of people in your life that aren't supportive, who can't be there for you because it is, a, it is quite a big thing and you need amazing people around you to help you move forward. I think everyone should do that, not just people diagnosed with MS. And look for the proper information, like don't troll Google and things like that. If there's things that you want to know, ask a professional or someone that has MS that you may have met that you can trust because there's just a lot of information out there that might not be for you at that point in your life and there's no point having that fear. I think the fear is, it's not a symptom of an illness, but fear is one of the biggest things that we deal with, fear of the unknown. So you just get educated, but in the right places. You know, go through your motions. You don't have to be okay when you're first told. I know a lot of us try to be strong and, you know, move on with life as if nothing has happened, but MS is a big deal, but you can move forward with your life, but you might just need to tailor some things. So just take some time and adjust to having this diagnosis and then we can move forward. 
So in my words, having MS means that my life is going to be a little bit different to the life that I imagined for myself. It doesn't mean it's going to be a bad one. I actually think I have a pretty amazing life and I've made it that way. That I don't think my MS diagnosis now, five years later, is going to impact my happiness for my future. It does mean that I've had to make changes and sacrifices and I do have to put more effort into being healthy and staying healthy, but it does not mean that I won't have the most amazing, incredible, long, happy life for my future. Yeah. Thank you, Adriana, for sharing your remarkable story with us and undoubtedly helping others with MS. And thank you, Belinda Bardsley and Dr. Boggold, for sharing your knowledge to help our listeners better understand MS. A lack of understanding about MS can lead to fear. Some people, when first diagnosed, think the worst, that their life is over, that they'll wake up one day and be confined to a wheelchair, no longer able to do the things they love. The good news is that there is a lot of support for people living with MS. Visit www.msaustralia.org.au to learn more. Through education and surrounding herself with supportive people, Adriana has discovered what living with MS means to her. She is now an MS advocate and driven to help others with MS. Over the next four episodes, we'll be speaking with Adriana, Belinda and Dr. Boggled about the impact MS can have on someone's life. We'll also discuss MS management, healthy lifestyle choices and family planning. Stay tuned. This episode was created using excerpts from our interviews with Adriana, Belinda and Dr. Mike Boggold. You can watch a day in the life of Adriana in her In My Shoes video. The link to the video can also be found in the show notes. See you next time. This episode has kindly been supported by MS Australia and sponsored by Roche Pharmaceuticals Australia, material number 37562681 and prepared in May 2018. Thanks for listening. Interested in hearing something special or want us to help share your story? Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time. The health information contained in this podcast is provided for educational purposes only and is not intended to replace discussions with a healthcare provider. In My Words is produced in New York City and distributed worldwide. In My Words, a Jumo production.